0: 7654321 never have these stone. <laughs> Oh this new crazy mother
1: Welcome friends to Color of Magic or Magic Gaming Podcast where we talk about all types of issues that affect issues for gamers at and away from your gaming tables and computers This is episode 167 and I am your host Daquan Watson and for all 167 episodes, getting through another year here. <laughs> still have my main man Brian Allen. How's it going?
0: F- fingers crossed, because the cold snap is supposed to be coming. I guess within within the next ten to twelve hours. So we feel like that, you're-
1: you know that's true. Let's let's take a real second for anybody who's listening to this. If it hasn't gotten to you yet, it may be getting to you soon. Take care of yourselves. Be prepared. Get warm. Because some of these spots, I saw a crazy number and I don't know if it's accurate, but they said some spots might get negative 70 wind chill. Jesus. Which which doesn't even sound like a real number. Like, but they said it's some storm wind, something that's coming from like the Arctic. And, you know, it's just like, all right. I mean, I guess this is a thing. Now, it's not supposed to last very long, fortunately, but it's going to be miserable for like that day or two while it's there. So, yeah, this Man. Is, I guess
0: this is going to be our first big test of, hey, will the power grid actually hold while Texas uh, undergoes winter conditions? Yeah, there's can- swears up and down. They got this, but yeah, nobody believes anything Urquhart says at this
1: point. Well, the fact that they told you all not to run your ACs in the winter or in exactly. the summer already says something. But they did say it could get as far south as Austin and like the north like panhandle of, of Florida or whatever. So. Oh, that's people who don't deal with cold. Basically, is what that is. I so, guess the
0: good news is the grid did not go down during the summer.
1: So. Yes, and I will say this: at least people now, since they've dealt with it once, will at least be prepared to get through like two or three days. I mean, you survived it for a week previously, Yeah. so hopefully, people at least have made taken precautions, learned some things, and, and uh, we went to
0: Walmart it. yesterday.
1: I can confirm: people
0: are taking precautions. The precautions. There you go. Shopping. So,
1: they, they got, they went out and got what I call the, the emergency French toast. Right. <laughs> because everybody's got to get bread, milk, and eggs, it seems like. yep. <laughs> so I always, always call that like the snow French toast or the emergency French toast or whatever. Cause I don't know why those are the things people always grab first. And I'm like, I don't know. You can make a lot of stuff out of other things. Yeah.
0: I mean, well, mm. I mean, those th-
1: bread, milk, and eggs are pretty foundational. Sure. But I just those feel like you would
0: start with like, I guess one of those things.
1: Man, I, I'm just saying, like, when power goes out, I'm not trying to keep milk cold. <laughs> like, give me something else. Like, we can make it work. But that being said, it's going to be so cold outside. You just yeah, I was going to say, if,
0: you, if your power goes down because uh, it's
1: 10 degrees outside, keeping stuff cold ain't going to be the problem. <laughs> That's true. Well, before we get into the rest of the show, we do have a lot of things to cover. But you need to go check out our partners over at Cardsphere.com. Because they're good people, really. That's good enough reason. But if you want to buy some Magic cards, or sell some Magic cards, or just maybe get some credit to trade some Magic cards, they're a site where you can do that. And most importantly, you can name the price you want to buy, sell, trade stuff for over there. Which sounds crazy if you haven't done it, but you go do it, and it'll make a lot of sense to you. So go check them out. They're good people over at Cardsphere.com. And then if you want to support the show, you can go over Patreon.com slash Color of Magic. And you can get a shout out just like Scott Ware. Thanks for being a member. And if you want to just get some fun things to take out into the world, and we're talking about like tokens and playmats and such, go check out colorofmtg.com slash shop. All right, let's get into the soapbox and gripe about some things. Now, I'm not going to lie. I started to make a whole gripe about the Trump NFTs because it just shows how late he is on everything. It doesn't make any sense that those even exist. And then to see even his actual supporters be upset at it and not buy them and complain about them and talk about how stupid it is. And then they magically sold out, which makes you wonder how much of a money laundering thing it was, but that's a whole different topic. The craziest part about it, he's apparently now getting sued by multiple people because he didn't even get original art for them. There was a whole news story showing all the people they're implying. apparently one of them he took a picture from like an Etsy shop and just photoshopped his face on it. There's another one that's from like an item on on Amazon. somebody's like model for like a waiters or something. There's like they all came from somewhere else. None of them were original pieces from what I could tell. So par for the course, I guess. I know people are going to be mad that it's political, whatever, but like, why is there? You You can't say that there's not an issue when literally everything has a thing attached. And it's not like you even had to search for it. This was news on day one. So I don't know. It's going to be mad. I'm just saying it's hard to convince me that anybody you're trying to tell me is this business savvy, this smart, whatever. Didn't even check the most basic box. Like you couldn't even just hire an artist to knock out like ten pieces over the course of a couple months for you or whatever.
0: You know what I mean? Like I mean, it, everything he's been connected to at this point, I guess like, including the United States, has gone bankrupt. So we, we shouldn't be shocked by any of this. Yeah, it's just crazy. But this, this man has went gone bankrupt multiple times in the casino industry where ninety-nine point nine percent of your customers hand you their money and know full well they'll get nothing in return.
1: It, it's, Man, I literally... We'll just probably save that for a Patreon-only episode because I think I could just rant about 80 things about that dude. But my actual rant this week is really about people that the only thing they know how to do is point out misplays on stuff. like, And it's not even like a magic phenomenon. I've seen people do it on like... When I'm watching Teamfight Tactics videos or whatever. And I'm like, first off, in your headspace... You watch this person's video, they're having a good time. Hell, I've seen them do it even when the person wins the match that they're talking about or whatever, right? And then they want to tell, oh, you're such trash, or you didn't even know that you could do X, Y, Z, or blah, blah. Like, well, one, they still won. yeah. So, like, maybe they did know, but they wanted to take a different line or do something for the sake of content or whatever, right? There's a bunch of reasons things could happen. But let's say they didn't know, or that they did know, but they made a mistake or hell maybe they were trying to save face and misclicked and didn't want you to know it or whatever what the hell is you pointing out a misplay going to do anyway like the video's done it's recorded finished yeah. out in the world 5000 people already watched it whatever it ain't like you're doing anything by pointing it out like if and if you're watching somebody and i've seen people post up hell i've had people post on myself multiple times right if you feel that way about the person why are you watching Yeah, I'm assuming this is the fifth, sixth, seventh video of theirs you've watched. So are you so, I don't know, full of yourself that you're watching multiple videos from these different creators and all you have to comment on is, oh, well, you messed up here. Okay, cool. But look at all the comments. where Everybody really liked the video. So you're the one with the problem. Now, if the person says in the video, like, you know, I don't really know what the right play is here. I'm just going to take a shot or this is the first time I'm doing this thing or, you know, whatever. Cool. Then feel free to comment on it because they might actually legit not know or they might want some advice or be asking the community for direction or something or whatever. But otherwise, what do you what do you think you're doing? Like post something that's productive. Like, hey, this is really cool. Have you tried adding this to your videos or whatever? Because I saw this on some other channel. That would be really neat. Or hey, I really like your stuff. It'd be cool if you could post it earlier in the day so I could catch it while I'm at lunch or whatever it is, right? Like something that could be more productive and helpful for the actual creator that if you genuinely like them, will help them get more views and get more shares and make more money. Because what you're posting isn't doing anything. If anything, you're probably just annoying the person. At worst, you may be just, I don't know, needling their they're poor mental health already. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what do you think you're doing by posting that? Like, it, nothing is going to come of that. Hell, at least when you do it live and we're streaming, at least there's a chance I can correct the play or do something or whatever. Cause that's live. But like, you know, when you show up on hour 10 of the video, already being up, that person's already moved on to doing a whole other project. Probably at that point, like you ain't achieving nothing. And if you think that you're going to make yourself look good, nobody cares. You know, how I know, because people won't even read the comments because half the time you'll see the same thing commented on and on 10 times because people didn't read the previous comments. So it's not like you posting is going to look good to anyone. Like you're just wasting time. Like I don't really understand. So, yeah, post something that's helpful, creative, comment on the video itself, the production value, whatever, something that could possibly help the person more than anything else. Or as your grandmama probably said, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. All right. I'm done.
0: All right. Uh, if you follow wrestling, even a little bit, you've, I'm sure heard about a situation with Mandy Rose, who's been let go by WWE, apparently for having a, uh, not only it's a fan time, which is kind of like only fans, apparently. And there is some, I guess the, uh, Content that was a little too risque for WWE on there. And it's just I a mean, couple of things. First of all, it seems kind of like, especially for female performers for the company, there's that almost you got to walk that fine line between okay, you know, it, 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 incredibly sexy, but, but but not too sexy, you know, and like half naked, not all the way naked, and then of course the the other one of the other, other thing. Well, there's I mean, there's a lot of angles to this one, but. As many people are pointing out, like she's gone almost instantly. There's a uh, Matt Riddle still works there. It has multiple allegations of sexual assault. He's apparently in rehab right now for drugs, and I think this is either time. It's in the first time for either of those things. Still, as of right now, with the company, he may eventually end up getting getting kicked out because this seems to be happening on a entirely to regular basis. There are people still working there that have drunk driving convictions, you know, court documented, not even saying they didn't do it. <laughs> it's, it's bizarre to put it by, but it's just a double standard. It seems like between what the guys are allowed to get away with and what the women are allowed to get away with. Also. Yeah. Oh yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say also the WWE employees are in this kind of weird space where they are by the strictest sense considered to be independent contractors, even though they are really not allowed to work anywhere else for the most part have, you know, can be fired for having a side business that the employer doesn't like, don't have anything that resembles health insurance, even though they fall off ladders ladder through cages for a living, but the independent contractors is, is how they're defined.
1: Yeah. It, it's a tough thing, you know, and this is sort of why, the more I heard about that story, I'm like, you know, I'm kind of waiting for everything to come to a head so we can hear more details. Because it feels like there was a conversation had Mandy Rose made her decision, did the business math and figured she's going to make way more money just doing her other thing. And just doesn't care, which if she is great, go get paid. I ain't got no problem with that. But I think the fact that, you know, when they started pointing out that she was making quite possibly $2 million a year plus in her current role with WWE. I'm like, all right, if you're willing to throw away a $2 million bag, you've already done some math. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, you've looked at that other project and went, I think this is worth it. Like, yeah, I'll just risk this $2, $2 million. Lahr, she'll be a millionaire on fan time by, I guess, week's the end. <laughs> yeah. So, in all reality, she might have just been using the current angle just to promote her other stuff, like build build herself up so she could make more money off there. You know what I mean? very possible and so far and again this is just what we know publicly it seems like everybody who's wanted to do an outside thing as long as it was run by the management and they knew what was going on in the levels and whatever nobody's really been shot down under the new management yet now again that's just what we know some people probably (laughs) anyway. somebody probably has and we just don't know about it yet yeah but i'm just saying so far, it appears that that's, that's been the thing. So the way things played out, it sounds like somebody may have had a discussion and then maybe she didn't follow up or shut it down the way she was supposed to and just figured, nah, I'm making more money. They're just going to have to fire me. And then they killed the contract. And and the whole independent contractor thing is just weird because it's through the entire industry. Yeah. Like, they, you know, even in AEW, there was an issue because like, they didn't want certain people talking to some people in WWE because they thought when a contract's up, they might try to sign them or something or whatever. And it's like, well, if you're not really under employment, then like, okay. You know, like, but that's just a thing. For whatever reason, that's how the wrestling industry operates.
0: it's, It's not been pushed by anybody significant.
1: Yeah. And you would think it would have by now.
0: Right, Jesse seriously. Ventura tried to unionize, I mean, probably better than 10, 15 years ago now. And he said the problem was like, yeah, people in the mid card, the bottom were for it. But the, the you know, the guys at the top of the card had no interest because really their deals are a lot of, like, for example, Undertaker, you know, would, would get a full year salary for working just WrestleMania. Why would he rock the boat? There's no reason for him to. Yeah. So it just it seemed like it failed because they any for any union to work you got to get at least a couple of the most valuable employees to participate. And he said he just found no interest among the top guys because their deals are so much better than some of the other people.
1: Yeah, but that was what in nineteen eighty nine.
0: You know, like, well, I mean, Tanker just retired. What, oh, no, I'm just saying, ago. but you haven't
1: found enough people between now and then, 30 years or whatever. Like, well, again, if you're somebody that gets
0: paid, you know, four or five million to work three matches a year, why would you rock the boat?
1: Yeah, but there's a lot of people that are in the like 300K to 500K range that are mid Carters. And to be clear, not all of the mid Carters want it in either. <laughs> so, oh, exactly. Know, that- and And that's where it comes back to how big of a problem is it? You know what I mean? Because it looks like a big problem to us, like, right, on the outside. But if you can't, in 30 years' time, find some reasonable... And, dude, and you know as well as I do, this is damn near a golden age of wrestling where there's, like, quality wrestling organizations all over the world, much less just the country. And if you can't find enough people to come together for a class-action lawsuit, then, like, is it really that big of an industry
0: problem? There have been some lawsuits, but I think uh, that's, you know... Lawsuits are one thing, unions are consistent sure. pressure, and that hasn't been applied. E- every industry that has been reformed, it wasn't done by class action. It was done by, you know, so there's a union, and now there are rules and everything from, you know, for example, actors. I guess it would be the closest parallel sure. to what pro wrestlers do. There's like, if you have an equity card, there there's certain things they can't do to you, and that are certain, you know, and certain. Salary things that had to be done. And that's because, you know, actors work together. <laughs> they put a union together. And now, if you have, you know, if you're part of the Screen Actors Guild, there's, you know, a I just standard feel like,
1: that your employers have to meet. I just feel like wrestlers haven't even got through step one. Oh, they haven't. You know, and that's the crazy part in that amount of time. Because, hell, there's been talk even for creators to say, like, hey, what can you do to make sure the platforms can't screw creators over? Right. That's yeah. becoming a conversation. And that's, Really, a newer developing thing in the last probably eight to ten years. So I don't know. It, it's a crazy, crazy time, man. I I don't know. I mean, now we're
0: seeing wrestlers be able to leave and do movies. So again, if the Rock ain't worried about this anymore. The Rock will work <laughs> if the Rock works one match a year. <laughs> yeah, Batista saying so. It's just.
1: Hell, Cena's about to work his one for the year next week yeah (laughs) yeah, like that's literally it he'll he'll do one match for the year he's probably gonna get like if i were guessing he'll probably get like half a mil and and honestly he's gonna bring in the ratings to be worth it
0: for one show but so it looks like what really is happening is situations like mandy rose and also people that do twitch where there are other opportunities now to do media and to make money that doesn't involve the wwe or you know aew or insert whatever wrestling promotion here so i think that's that looks like was what's going to break the dam. Is just other, once you've established yourself as a as a celebrity. There are other avenues you can go to,
1: and honestly, good for them. I think you should treat a lot of jobs that way. You yeah. know, we've even said that in the game industry that like there's different things you do that you just use as a stepping stone to the next one, and you know, sadly, not that many people are lifers with a lot of companies anymore. Right, you're using it to get your leverage for the next thing. Hell, I did it effectively, <laughs> you know right? Like, just kept moving it to different things and using the leverage from the last thing to get the next thing. I, you're
0: just, lucky if your company lasts 25 or 30 years, where you can work for the same company for your entire career. It's yeah, you ain't lying. That's real.
1: <laughs> Take into
0: account just, whether it's like merging with another company, where basically the company you started with, in many ways, ceases to exist, or just Straight company straight up going bankrupt. You know?
1: Yeah, those are all real. Well, all right, man. It's that point in the week. Why don't we tell people what crazy stuff we learned this week or just interesting things so we can share some thoughts. This
0: is one that, that, that technically, I guess, could have been a soapbox, but it, it's just bizarre. I saw it. Had to had to tell you all about it. Apparently, there's a an uh, investment banker in New York, I believe, who Dude punched a, a female, trans, do I need to tell you, it was a black female transit work transit worker and, of course, a white male investment banker. Dude walked without even out of jail without even having to post bail. There, I'm I, sure, will be something. something that resembles charges, but at night of the assault, didn't even have to post bail for being apparently drunk, <laughs> acknowledged being drunk. And punching a transit worker, I guess, for asking for his ticket or a- asking that's him that's to calm right. down or what have you.
1: Yeah, I don't even know what to do with that. But yeah, it's okay. <laughs> this is kind of the when people tell us, like, "Hey, you're
0: you're exaggerating. What are you talking about? There's racism. We we had a black president. Racism's over. No, <laughs> no. It's just every day something along and." Things we see it now because we have cell phones, because everybody has social media. You know, this particular story I was able to see on uh, the Grio, the Root, a lot of. But he man. If if I didn't have you know social media, I probably wouldn't know about this. I wouldn't be able to tell you about this. But now because we are all interconnected. Every oh, time man. something like this ridiculous, well, I won't say every time, but a lot of times when something this ridiculous happens, we are able to hear about it, and we're able to talk about it, and just and of course I don't know this case, why. we're
1: going to follow this all the way through the system. I just remembered something, and I don't know if you're aware of this, but have you heard? Basically, the the I guess if you would call it the problems, the criminals that are like the the super fans for the Chiefs, the football team. No. Yeah. So there's like this weird, I guess you would call it lineage, but they're not related. Just like the transitioning of like super fan to the next known super fan or whatever. And and for those you don't know, if you're not sports fans, like pretty much every team has like one or two fans or a small group that are the super fans for that team. Like they're going to be there every game. They make a lot of noise. They half the time they're painted up or in a costume or you know they're on every billboard when there's a promotion. Like they're that person. They often have
0: you know some like I think uh, you know like the uh, the black holes with the Raiders used to call their group of crazy people that were right there. Oh yeah, you had like the the hogs
1: when they were the Redskins or whatever. Yep. You know, that was a thing. There's a uh, what's his name? The black dude that's the cowboy or whatever that runs around with one for the Dallas Cowboys. Like every yeah. every team has one. Right? I can't
0: think of his name. I know who you're talking about. Yeah.
1: Well. It goes back, there's this dude, and I wish I remembered his name. Yeah, And they all have generic terrible names, by the way. Right? So it's just kind of the, the history of it. Like, you get named whatever thing you dress as or whatever, like, that's it. So uh, this dude, I think it was like Helmet Man or something or whatever. I don't know how he got his name. But he apparently was known for being connected to the original World Trade bombings. Like, not not the ones where they fell, but, like, the ones from, like, whatever, 92, I think it was, where the truck blew up or whatever. That one. I don't know what the connection is, but apparently it ended up with that dude being on the FBI watch list. For real. And then there was some breakout situation between, like, the next guy and then the third guy that was, like, in the super fan line of folks. But I guess... Number two was basically handing off the like, here's the things you need to do to get the credit for being the super fan to number three. But then I guess number three got full of himself. And then there was some like real fight between those guys. Yeah. So then they ended up having some type of weird history and charges being filed and like conspiracy stuff, trying to wreck each other. Like, it's a whole crazy thing. But then there's a a fourth guy, I guess who shows up and I don't know why he's dressing like a wolf suit. <laughs> I mean, it's the chiefs. I don't know why you're in a wolf suit, but whatever. Cause the guy, oh, yeah, before him,
0: their mascot is a wolf. Now that I think about it, yeah, but the why. guy, be- I-
1: the guy before him wore like a, it looked almost like a cheese hat. That's been repainted red with like yellow font and whatever. And he dresses up in all chiefs gear or whatever. But the sl- this newest guy, he's in chiefs gear. Cause you know, you got to rep the team and he wears a chiefs hat and he's in this like gray wolf suit apparently one dude has real like mob ties, like to the Casey mob or whatever. Didn't know that was a thing, but like, apparently it's a thing. I and, guess every city has at least a little bit of mafia. <laughs> yeah. And he didn't want to do like family business or whatever. I know this is like a crazy sidetrack, but like I have to share this because it's something I discovered last week, but he ends up not wanting to do family business. So he just kind of went into business for himself doing stuff. Obviously wasn't making as much money because you know, mob, but Decided he was going to be a super fan. So, like, he kept finding ways to get to the games, dressed up, people got to know him. Nobody even knew his real name. And, and that's important. Like, he was known as the super fan. That's it. The reason this comes up is because he didn't show up to one of the games. And immediately, everybody goes like, oh, crap. This dude's been at every single game for, like, the last, I don't know how many years. What the hell happened to this guy? Nobody can find him because nobody knows his real name. to even go looking for him. But then they discover he's apparently because somebody found out his name was sitting in a jail cell in Texas because apparently he tried to rob a jewelry store dressed as the wolf what <laughs> i'm not making this up i was like like and now my first thought i'm not going to lie my first thought was what if it was one of the other super fans that didn't like him trying to get him in trouble so they went in as the wolf and then took off and then knew they were going to come looking for him <laughs> yeah,
0: surely you wouldn't rob the thing in your. That's just.
1: Yeah, but apparently no, that's that's real. It was him apparently. Now he was still wearing the same hat, which is funny. I don't know why you wear the same hat. Didn't have the Chiefs jersey on in the picture. Had like regular shirt on. Like like that's gonna hide you. Where you're like, well, if I just change shirts, they're not gonna know that I'm the same dude. <laughs> but I'm like, yeah. But anyway, I say all this like you should go deep dive on it. It's unreal i've never heard about this being with the team ever that like there's been this whole history of just like criminals and bad actors as super Yeah, fans.
0: I'm, I'm looking at the uh, kc wolf rob's bank came up immediately of all the yeah, like the it's really google searches
1: i wish i could make that up like this is why i feel bad for the dudes that write the onion because at some yeah. point you just can't make up stuff this good
0: And and I'm assuming they went with the wolf because, well, the Chiefs are one of the problematic mascots of the NFL. Probably. probably. At some point, they probably transitioned from a white guy dressed like a Native American to, oh, yeah, let's just have a wolf instead. We're not going to change the mascot, but let's go ahead and
1: let's get rid of the the face paint at least. But, you know, it depends. I don't know the history of the Chiefs. I would have to, like, really deep dive because I don't, because I know, like, the Florida State Seminoles actually have worked with the native tribes so they can actually like they donate money and they do educational stuff and whatever so like that makes sense that they're the Seminoles right well,
0: I, mean, so, I, think, I think every team that had that mascot tried that because there's
1: always somebody that will take your check <laughs> maybe I, but I don't know like I like I, I truly don't know I just know that there are some that that's true but they, that the
0: commanders used to say that they got permission from a native American. And it turned out the guy that they were parading out there apparently was not even native American. Cause let's be honest, a lot of people say <laughs> oh, yeah. that.
1: that, that's what I'm saying. Like, are you working with the actual like elders of the land and whatever, and like giving money to their offspring and are doing that whole thing. Right. Like, if so, then I'm okay with it. But, like, I don't know. I would, I would still not be okay,
0: because it's like we say, we don't speak for the entire black sure, delegation. Sure. Nobody's allowed to speak for the entire Native American delegation. Especially when you're signing off, like, hey, yeah, you can go ahead and and
1: wave our flag around and wear face paint even though you're white. Totally no, agree. but I'm saying if they've made the agreement with the locals that that's, you can do that, then cool. But, you know, we did see at least, like, even Cleveland was like, you know, yeah, it's probably our time, too. Yeah. <laughs> So now they're the Guardians, which is actually kind of a sweet name, to be honest. Like, And their logo is actually pretty cool, too. So like, they they did it right. Yeah, when when even
0: the Commanders and the Guardians have changed, it's probably at this point time for everybody to just get – because nobody
1: had more marketing tied to that stuff than those two teams did. Well, the Indians for sure. Like, to be honest, the Washington Redskins, they, like, you had your hardcore fan base, but outside of D.C., like, didn't nobody cared about th- – Washington (laughs) they still don't right now no what I was going to point out though is like I you know having this discussion earlier and seeing some stuff floating around the internet well what I realized is we're actually reaching the point where I guess you would call them the pioneers or the founders of a lot of the things we do in magic are kind of being forgotten and lost in time you know and not not to anybody's fault I think we're just at that point in history where so many players have come and gone and the game has changed and the industry has changed so much that a lot of those things are just not talked about or seen, you know, the biggest example being like the dojo where for people who don't know the dojo was like the first place where hell that honestly, it's where the concept of of a tournament report even came from because prior to that, it was just, Hey, I played this deck at a tournament and you know, I went, 3-0 3-0 or 5-0 or whatever and that was if you just happened to find somebody on a news group that was in the same section that you were reading or whatever this was like the first time that you know you started to develop a meta game because people like oh well that's pretty cool maybe i should play that locally and then other people did and then it was like oh well now that these are getting popular i built this deck to beat those and then that was a whole thing and that was the article everybody shared for the week or whatever yeah and it sort of became a big thing and that broke out to other websites well, I mean, I think
0: for for those you know that still are in the the, the content business that buy articles, if they want to you know kind of help out with that, there's. I, yeah. I'm sure some of those, a lot of those people, I'm sure are still with us and would you know <laughs> who would write that stuff down for. Oh yeah, for, but for I think I'm there's
1: sure. there's other fun writers over the years that you know really spread the word about a lot of stuff that are just not talked about or just gone. And some of it's yeah. just, you know, they've moved on to other things. Some have passed, unfortunately. Yeah, I think it's also like a lot of stuff didn't get cached well on the internet. Definitely. You know? I even went looking for some of my old podcast episodes because, you know, the fact that I was involved in the first Magic podcast, I've only even been able to even like get one or two episodes to even yeah. have. Right. And I even reached out to one of the dudes in charge of TCG Player, which to tell you what else is, is lost, the history of brain Burst turning into TCG Player, yeah. you know, where we posted our first podcast, even he didn't have a lot of it. So it's kind of tough to find those. A lot of it was,
0: at the time, nobody knew we'd still be talking about Magic 30 years later.
1: Yeah. And I think that's the issue. Right. I think when, you know, let's say to stay with like a sports analogy, since we talked about a lot of sports today. When the XFL comes back in, what, February, like, and relaunches, they will be chronicling every single thing forever, right? Because there's the plan of, like, we're spending a lot of money, this is going to be a thing, it's going to be a national TV, we're going to have a world champion, we're going to have all this, right? So everything is going to be logged, and that will never be forgotten. The problem is, I think, when we started Magic, everybody looked at it, we were still just playing a game. You know, we knew there was competitions, and we had, our like, a world champion or whatever, but... Hell, Scrabble has a world champion. You know what I mean? Nobody's out here like chronicling hardcore all the different tournaments for Scrabble or whatever. But I don't think any of us thought it would be this huge, literally billion-dollar industry, all these different websites, all these cards, you know, hell, being content creators and posting stuff on YouTube every day. and like Yeah, there's no way anybody could have foreseen that. Yeah. Like, the things we're involved in now just didn't exist before. So it's crazy to look back and be like, yeah, I get why all this is is just not a thing anyone talks about. Hell, and even other sites like Pojo happens to still be around. And Pojo was basically like the dojo for everything else. Right. You know, they did stuff for Yu-Gi-Oh, Pokemon, you know, every in-between game. And they're still around, which is kind of interesting. And I did some work for them years ago. But, you know, the magazines that uh, some of us used to write for, those are gone. I fortunately have two or three copies of some stuff where my things got published and kept a few. But, you know, those are gone. Those aren't even hardly chronicled anywhere on the Internet. Like, you have a hard time finding stuff about some of those. So, yeah, it's really interesting. And I don't I don't know if I feel any kind of way about it. You know, I just kind of accept that, like, eh, you know, it's, this is going to become like those... I don't know, the old stories your your grandpa told you or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, it's not really written anywhere. You just got to pass the stories along. But it, it, but it's interesting to think, like, somewhere around year 30 is where that mark is, where things starts getting lost, apparently, right? Like, and, I, and it's not the things I think about, but, like, now I kind of have a marker for things of, like, okay, when should you check in on a brand and be like, hey, is history getting lost? Sometime between year 25 and 30, apparently, is, <laughs> is where that mark is. But just like you were saying before, a bunch of things don't live that long. Great. Right. You know, if, they're, if they make it 10 years, they're happy. You know, yeah. so we're talking about three times that right now. So for that history to go away kind of makes sense. But Yeah,
0: nobody starts a card game like, okay, yeah, we need marketing. We need distribution, design, testing. Who's going
1: to guard the history? You, you're not worried about that year one because it's not a problem. Yeah, who's who's the historian, right? Now, I will say this. Within Wizards of the Coast, there is a very strong history chronicle. Like, a lot of people can tell you who came before who, who started what programs, you know, whatever, like, all that's there. But that's great for the company. But that doesn't do anything for the brand outside of the building. You know, and it's one of the reasons I would say probably about 8 or 10 years ago, I remember talking with some folks and trying to almost push for like, Hey, if we're going to have a hall of fame or any, whether that's online or a physical space or whatever, we should also include non players as well, because there is a lot of people that contributed, you know, I hell Sheldon Minery, you know, if you want to talk about like one of the all time, great judges, one of the creators of, of commander, which is effectively the biggest format ever in the history of magic. Right. like, that's somebody who should probably have a seat at that table as much as the best players in the world, you know. Or Frank Kusumoto, who started the dojo, right? Him and his website should have space and get chronicled. I mean, we do it in other sports: referees, writers, you know, whatever. They get into the Hall of Fame. Like we should yeah. do the same for magic. It's all part of the history, and in all reality. Those players that make the hall probably aren't there without all those other parts one, getting them inspired to be there, but also even helping facilitate them getting there when you're talking about like judges and organizers and everything else. So yeah, it's it's an interesting thought, but I, I think it's, if you start a new project, whatever it is, think about keeping some of the history. You may not know where it's going. You might be a project that only lasts five years, but if it goes longer than that, it would be cool to have those parts. Yeah, because it's
0: some, even if it doesn't last for a long time, there's still things that can be gleaned. Like apparently, there's a documentary now about the. I think it was on Fox. they were going to do a Dana Carvey show, and because Dana Carvey thought there's, like, it was going to be too big to fail, and it failed spectacularly. But for front heard her, the documentary is incredible. Looking <laughs> at why it failed and yeah. how, it,
1: how it failed. I agree with you. Even there's lessons from that. You know, there's there was things I've looked back on even when I had my business. Because, you know, again, in year one that I think I'd still be doing it in year 15, like I hadn't even thought that far, you know, but there were times I kind of went, man, you know what? It would have been cool to save or man, you know, we probably should have still done this or whatever. So, you know, and that's what really got me thinking, like, how much did I miss not having certain things or just cool relics to share with people or to show like the history of the company or whatever, Would have been neat to hold on to a lot of those. So that's the info. If I could pass on anything to people today, it's just, hey, when you start something, think about holding on to those things in the beginning. Because even thinking about it, when I started doing content, I was like, man, I didn't save a whole bunch of those files. (laughs) I kind of want to now, you know, so like, uh, should I just be getting some extra hard drives and just saving some stuff just because like, I don't know if I ever need it, but just for nostalgia's sake or Maybe I don't know, maybe I'm doing this 30 years from now and I want to do like a whole cool video package or whatever. Like having access to those would be really neat, you know. So yeah, just just interesting things. Especially when it comes to games cuz so many of them come and go. It's cool to hold on to that history. But let's get into a couple of actual quick topics. A couple weeks ago, I guess about a month ago now, we talked about Hive Social, you know, being one of the websites that people were looking at or services, I should say, moving to because uh, Twitter was imploding and kind of still is, I guess. But they went down, man. You know, remember when we mentioned, oh, they got like a million people in yeah. 24 hours or whatever it was. Well, they kept getting more millions of people and they were not built for that yet, you know. And to be fair, This is kind of one of those examples when everybody says, oh, I want our company to blow up or I want to get all these views or I want to do whatever. Like if you don't have a plan for it or you can't sustain it, man, getting that slow, stable growth is definitely better. Trust me. Going viral is not what it's cut out to be if you're not set up to manage it. Yeah, because a lot of people
0: have (laughs) have left and will never come back. You're right. A lot of people that will be like me, didn't dive in the pool and now are going to be very reluctant to dive into the pool because that yeah. was not a good look.
1: And I told people that was very possible, right? If you, you have people jumping ship in mass and going to other sites, like a lot of those sites are smaller and are not built. Hell, even just from an employee and worker standpoint, just weren't built for that, right? But they went down for a couple of weeks, I guess. Getting their servers right, hiring some people, whatever their backup appear to be working now, so that's good. But I have to say, they're probably the only site other than Mastodon that anybody's talking about right now. Yeah, it's kind of those two or nothing, and I don't think that's going to lead to either one just being the place to go. I mean, I I think like all things, Twitter's still going to be around. I assume yeah, for at least even, another handful of years, I even mean, if it's my place still home. exists. <laughs> Yeah, to be fair, but MySpace had to turn into basically a music site. Like, It's a whole different look now. There's no more like, I have my page with my top eight or whatever it was. <laughs> you know, you
0: don't still have your page? Your
1: Hell, eight. I don't even know if they still have the pictures of, what's his name, the dude that was in front of it that was, like, was always like your first fan or whatever? Tom? Yeah, I, Tom. I don't know either. Yeah, I don't, I don't even think Tom's still involved with the thing anymore. They should probably should have still kept him out, like as a consultant or something. Maybe, yeah. just for posterity's sake, but you know. But yeah, it's interesting. You know, I I think what really pushed another wave of people to these sites this past week, though, was I don't know if you saw, but Muskie passed out a, uh, I guess an announcement you would call it of, I there was some time frame, but apparently the, is,
0: is is that a thing? Are people calling him that? No.
1: <laughs> oh, I don't know. I everybody's calling him ten different things to be honest, <laughs> and he and he kind of did it to himself. Uh, truthfully he's one of the first people I would say like should not use the service that he sells. He just needs to not, not be making tweets, but he sent out a thing that, you know, in the next few weeks, we're going to move to these things leading to banned accounts or whatever. I'm paraphrasing, but basically if you posted anything to outside links, it could lead to your account getting banned. And they highlighted the ones that were the most problematic to social. they were mostly to other social sites. So, Facebook, YouTube, things of that nature, and also included link sharing sites, which was crazy to me because, like, you just make Twitter more useless by doing that. Like, what if I'm trying to hire somebody and I'm like, yeah, you need to check out our LinkedIn page where we have our applications or whatever. Like, I can't do that now. Like, oh, yeah, I have this really cool thing. Somebody asked me about a deck or I wish I knew how to play whatever. I'm like, oh, yeah, I did a video on that yesterday. Here's a link, right? And I might get banned from Twitter. Like, that doesn't make any sense. But anyway, according to reports, supposedly they had employees from Twitter trying to defend it for the better part of 12 hours. And eventually somebody got to Musk and they decided, okay, we should just take this down and not go through with this because this is a terrible idea. Oh. <sighs> And I'm just thinking, who's the yes man that even said, like, yeah, this sounds good. Go post it. Like, it, that defeats the whole way you would even want to use social media. Hell, things have gotten so crazy that Tumblr put out an announcement last, this past week that they're starting to do live streaming now.
0: Speaking of platforms that re- stubbornly refuse to die.
1: <laughs> yeah. At least you know what Tumblr stayed in their lane though. They're like they were mostly artsy and doing whatever, you know, because they couldn't show the boobies anymore. They lost a lot of people or whatever, but now they're back to like, you know, we're willing to didn't show they, boobies again.
0: I guess they I didn't bring the boobies back. Yeah, yet.
1: so boobies were back over on on Tumblr, and now you can just live stream. I don't think you can live stream boobies, but <laughs> you can live stream. <laughs> they've almost got it. <laughs> yeah, not only that, they've built up a whole system where like people can donate and you know, whatever, and it works just like everywhere else. But that kind of tells you the state that Twitter's in. That not only are these unknown sites starting to get people, the previously established sites are like, well, let's pick up some services and see if we can win some people over. Cause people are looking for somewhere to go that ain't Twitter. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know, man. This this whole thing, it gets crazier by the day. Like seeing where social media is now and what's happening. And then not only that, I saw a thing that I guess the board of directors for Tesla is there's rumblings that they may be trying to push for a different CEO if he's not willing to step away from working on Twitter full time because they feel that Tesla's suffering or something because they don't have a full-time CEO. Yeah, because, I mean, only in
0: comic books can people run 15 companies at the same time and not lose any efficiency.
1: Yeah, so I don't know. That's a thing. Apparently, he's trying to get – well, rumor has it that inside Twitter, there's been discussions that he's trying to hire a full-time CEO for Twitter. I don't know who's willing to take it right now, but, like, somebody's going to take a shot because you get to have a CEO position. So, yeah, I don't know. It's a mess. And if you're somehow
0: able to stabilize this ship, you can name your price in any other company. That's the whole
1: reason I would take it. Literally. It's like, if you're I can... you first, first, Watson, Twitter CEO. I'll it? give it a shot. Hell, if I can even just make it stable, not even change the direction to profitable, yeah. like, that would be a win. And that could get you a job anywhere. Because supposedly it wasn't profitable before Elon bought it and started, <laughs> yeah.
0: started going full Titanic on it.
1: That's what I'm saying. If you can just get it to stable, you, you'd you you'd win. You could go anywhere in the tech industry and name your price. So, like, yeah, somebody's going to take a shot at it. And you'll get paid even if you fail. So you might as well. You know, what's what's the loss? The one thing I will say, though, is if you are following anybody on socials, wherever it is, whether it's YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, whatever, do yourself a favor. Follow them on other platforms as well. So at any time, if any of these go under or have service outages or whatever, You can still stay in touch with your favorite people and still be up to date, get your content, whatever it is. A lot of them, I don't know of any successful content creator that's not on at least two or three platforms. So, yeah, follow them. You might get some other cool content that you weren't even expecting. But anyway, we have a couple other interesting things to kick off on real quick. Hey, so I did that because we're going to talk about Kickstarter. Uh, Oh, that's okay. Now I see what you did. (laughs) But here's the thing. Okay, so Kickstarter canceled a I'm calling it a business venture. I don't know how you'd really describe it, but the project was called Unstable Diffusion. And what it looks like they were going to try to do is build a better version of these AI art scraping tools or whatever. So they can make more accurate art. Because anybody who's seen the AI generated art, sometimes you'll just get like weird anatomy. where something's just out of place or you got too many toes or too many fingers or something or whatever. Don't know why it happens. It's just a thing that happens. But their plan was apparently to scrape art from ArtStation, Binance and DeviantArt, which are huge places with a lot of artwork and a ton of artists. Well, of course, as word got out about this, a bunch of those artists and websites were like, uh, nah, we'd rather you not do that. And Kickstarter came around and said like, yeah, I think they're right we're going to go ahead and kill this. Now, one of the interesting points is that they were trying to raise 25K. They had already raised 58,000 in like 36 hours. So people were willing to pay to promote this and and get a better tool. But this also was on top of ArtStation basically saying they're removing all the AI-generated art. So then that gets you in a different discussion of what is actually art? And is, that discussion
0: has been going on since the dawn of time and we still haven't solved it. So good
1: luck getting it
0: fixed here
1: the next two to three years. To me, that's kind of just like first level of the discussion, right? Of like, do we say it's the expression of a human or something of life or whatever? All right, cool. But then where does it come from? because i think that's the real issue at heart for a lot of people with ai artwork is that it's taking art from all these different sites and then shifting it or adding you know an appropriate looking face to the style of art or whatever and blending it and making a new piece of art and to the point that if you look at some of these look down in the lower corners or upper corners where normally you would see a signature a lot of times you'll see a different scribbling where the machine has actually just distorted the signature that was there. So the person who did the original the piece doesn't even know about
0: the paintings.
1: Yeah, the, the, the originators aren't even getting credit to say, like, well, this originates as this piece from this person. I mean, hell, the least you could do is even just have built-in data to the image that says where it came from. You know, but there's not even that. And then the next level of conversation becomes, okay, let's say you do that is it still okay to sell a piece when everything for it was basically scraped from elsewhere? And, and
0: by, by that definition, Andy Warhol is an art because, hey, the Campbell, he didn't create
1: that Campbell soup can. <laughs> Somebody else created that label. Sure, but he at least painted the Campbell soup can, right? This is taking other things out as they are and just blaming them and saying, here's the thing. And now you've described rap music. So it's uh, just <laughs> music is music is a tough one. I think music's
0: always going to be an issue because that was yeah. one of the arguments that people said against for It's not real music. You didn't write that song. You just said words over it. But even
1: that act. Well, has
0: created an entirely different piece of work.
1: Yeah, I don't know about that aspect of it, but I think, yeah, music is definitely going to be the next AI platform that people are going to struggle with, for sure. I think that's, that's going to be a thing. But then that brought me to another thing, because, you know, nerds and geeks are not down with the AI art right now. But I was telling somebody, I think, seriously, in the next year, year and a half, we're probably going to see somebody try to produce a game maybe even a card game with all AI generated art. We absolutely
0: are going to see that. Uh, and just dropped on the Xbox game pass high on life, apparently used a whole lot of AI generated art. And of course this it, the, the creators are, are getting, you know, are getting savaged online, but let's, Anybody that is shocked that the gaming industry took the first opportunity to remove as many humans as it could from the creation process hasn't been paying attention. They're like, "Hey, you said all along you want us to get rid of crunch. Here you go. We'll just get rid of the humans. No more crunch. The robots don't care how long they're forced to work."
1: Yeah, I mean that—that's real. Yeah, you know, and I, and because here is the problem, right? When you talk about. Now, it's different in video games because video games get dumb budgets a lot of times. But I can't count the number of times I've even been part of a project or seen people with an idea or whatever. But they literally have the idea. They've got some basic designs. That's it. But if you they could go out and pay somebody, say, do a card frame and maybe some basic elements that they can add or remove from each one. And then they could just go generate 300 pieces of art. Yeah. There you go. Now they've got a card game, right? Is that something you should support? And I think each of us are going to have to make that own decision for ourselves. But it's definitely a thing. Are we going to reach a world where, like, you're going to, if you have a project with artists, you're going to have to verify who those artists are? So, or at least list them all. So, if somebody wants to support your thing, they can be, okay, I'm going to go check with this artist to see if you actually use their real work. It's fascinating. You know, like, that might be the world we're into. It's kind of crazy. I have. I I
0: have written numerous stories and you know comic book treatments, and as of yet, I haven't been able to sell to anyone. So, man, if I could, if if I find uh, some kind of platform where I can publish it myself without you know (laughs) without any other human needing to believe it's successful, then it will everything. Yeah, I probably would do that.
1: That's what I'm saying, right? And is and is that a bad thing? Now, I will say this: if we, if you found a way and I'm sure eventually we will, where a machine can generate art without stealing art from elsewhere, then I think we have a whole different conversation. Right? Because now it is a completely original piece. And then the question becomes, okay, what's the harm being done then? Right? But I think for a lot of people, the argument is your art only exists because you took specifically this person's artwork. And I think that's the heart of the discussion for a lot of people. But yeah, anyway, it, I just thought it was an interesting topic and something to keep your eye on because it's definitely going to be a thing we're going to be talking about a lot over the next year, especially with all these other different things too. When you have Descript, you've got Chat PT, you know, all these other things that you can basically, hell, I was using MidJourney the other day just to test it out. And you can literally go into MidJourney and say, I want a piece of art that's got a guy with this type of clothing and this type of background and this type of green monster attacking them or whatever. And it gives you a bunch of different options, you know, and it too, from what I understand was being taught using the variety of artwork out on the internet. But yeah, there's so many different ways to approach this and it's becoming very common that it's going to be a thing to the point that I think a lot of people are not even going to be hundred percent sure If you're reading a script or seeing some artwork or whatever that came from a person or a machine. Hell, I saw a lady just this last week. Uh, She had a thing posted on Twitter where she was getting attacked because people thought she was trying to profit off of AI artwork. And she was like, no, this is my art. Like she does hyper realistic art. And then she showed the process because it was like an angel angelic type figure she did the artwork by dunking an actual model under the water and taking photos and stuff and sales to see how the dress would flow and all that. thought you were about to say an actual angel or something. (laughs) No, but then use that to do the like flowy nature of the dress and all that other stuff. Right. So that's why it looks the way it does. And she went and proved like, here's footage from our photo shoot for me to get the images to do whatever, you know, just like, All right. But, you know, that's already the level some artists are having to go to because this has become such a heated discussion. So I don't know. It's definitely going to be things going on for a while. And I I think it's a neat thing to have to check ourselves on because we've never had to deal with this before. Wild times. Yep. (laughs) And then that brings us to secret layers because it's another big super drop going on right now. Uh, It's open until January 6th, I believe, is the day on it. And I will say, for the most part, not that excited about a lot of these, but I do think that they will appeal to a certain variety of people. But it's basically kind of two super drops together. You have uh, just kind of the variety pack that they have, like they normally do. There's one with the, what do we call them, the astrology lands. So you can get some for each of the different uh, star signs. So some of those are in there, and then they have a Transformers bundle. There's two different blocks of, of Transformer stuff you can get. I will say the ones that stood out to me, and I'm not going to go over all of them, but just kind of some quick callouts. Frank Frazetta has some in there that are really cool. Uh, anybody who knows uh, Frank Frazetta's artwork, he was one of the he's he's one of the OGs of fantasy art. You know, like if you go look at the old art magazines and old fantasy stuff or whatever, like he was always featured. Like Frank Frazetta. Well known in the industry, I honestly not gonna lie. I wasn't sure he was still alive, being real with you. So it was wow. kind I, I I didn't go look, but it was like one of those names that like he was already older when I found out about him. So I'm like, all right, but no, cool that he's still around. They got him to do some magic arts. Uh, if you're fans, that's a really cool one to have some pieces from. The best value I saw in there was one that they have a Megatron versus Optimus Prime in their Transformers pack of stuff. It's three cards. It's basically Blightsteel, Colossus, uh, the other Colossus, and Doubling Cube. You know, and that's actually pretty cool because each of those is worth a pretty good chunk of change. I think the cheapest of the three is 20 and I believe Blightsteel, Colossus is like 50 And that whole thing you could get, I think, for $40. So easily the best value one we've had in there for a while. So if you're looking for any of those cards, I would go pick that up because it's just extra money, right? You get the one you want and you can sell the others and still be ahead on your cash. So that one totally would point it out to people and say, go get it. But there are some other interesting ones I think are worth looking at. But they did add something interesting recently on the Secret Lair site that I'm not sure everybody's aware of. But they made an alternate arts Scarab God, which is already a decent card, valuable people play it in Commander. but You only get it if you spend $200 on Secret Layers. Now, I don't know if the Scarab Guide card is gonna be a recurring promotion, if it's for a certain amount of time, or if it's just for the Secret Layer. However, it's kind of a neat idea because now they've found a way to create, I don't know if you wanna call it like an ultra rare, because we know so far, nothing in Secret Layer gets reprinted in that form. So this is the only time this is gonna be available and you only get it for spending the $200. And it's interesting because like you're still getting value out of the other things you bought. So it's not like you're wasting money, but it's a neat idea that when you're talking about like, hey, let's do this thing to get an extra sales incentive to push the dollar value up a little bit. This is one creative way to do that because you're still, I would assume, because this is going to be even more rare than the other versions of Scarab God. This will have some real value. Now, I don't think it's going to have like a ton, but it might have a $50 value, maybe even a $75 value down the road. And that's kind of cool. But this kind of package of stuff felt pretty good as a secret layer. That there's stuff of different values. There's stuff of different levels of desirability. Different styles of artwork. Cool throwback artists being called back to do stuff. And if you're willing to spend a little bit more, you can even get a super rare card. So I don't really have a problem with this. Now, I wasn't excited, like I said, about a few of the different things in there. But you don't have to buy them, right? You just skip over them, buy the ones that are more valuable, the ones that you want. But overall, I think it's one of the secret layers worth a look. If you have a little money after Christmas or grandma gives you some extra cash or whatever, maybe check out the secret layer site because there's probably a chance for you to get a little bit of something. But that brings us to our dinner table. And I kind of wanted to ask you a very fun question. And honestly, I don't even know what my answer is going to be to this. But I wanted to ask, Brian, like, now that we are adults, responsible adults, gainfully employed, responsible adults. And we both throw a lot of adjectives out there. (laughs) I wanted to to preface this why I'm asking. And we both did not grow up with a significant amount of money in our households. (laughs) True. (laughs) To put it nicely. Is there something that you weren't able to have as a kid or maybe even asked for for Christmas and never got? That you ended up buying yourself as an adult. Or acquiring. It may not even have been something you needed to buy. I don't know. But because I don't know. I don't, I'm curious what your answer is. If there is one. I guess I mean probably the big
0: thing would be board games. And it wasn't that I couldn't get those as a kid. But I had one sibling who was younger. And thus really not into board games. So my, my mama would have bought them. But I wouldn't have had anybody to play with.
1: Oh, that's but, interesting. You know, I didn't even but think about that. Now,
0: you know, I have a wife who plays a couple of board games and I have uh, kids that are into board games. So, yeah, now I can buy those and I have, you know, a whole house full of
1: people to play with. Man, it's funny because I jokingly tell people if I ever were to have kids, it would be for that reason. To have more <laughs> people to play games with and buy Legos. Right. That would be my excuses for for having kids. I'm sure I think the last time I saw a kid buying
0: Legos, every time I see somebody buying Legos now, it's somebody our age. Exactly.
1: <laughs> oh, man. I, I don't. Wow. Okay. Like I said, I didn't know what my answer was going to be. I, I just thought it was a good question. Uh, I don't know. I didn't have the board game thing because I did have siblings and we had a few games and we played stuff together. So that's definitely not a thing. I think for me, it might have been. You know what it is, actually? I think that's where my love of different food comes from. Oh, okay. Not because I grew up with different cultures, so I got to try different food. But I think there were things that were always, like, I just viewed as expensive. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, well, we're not going to have that because that's too pricey. Or, like, we're not going to. So I think in general, it's just, like, treating myself to nicer things. And not even in, like, a, a gluttonous way. But, like, the first time I got to have, like, actual, like, seared nice ahi tuna i literally like called my mom i was like why did i never have this before <laughs> like, you know what i mean like it was just like this is a thing that's existed the whole time and i never knew it was even available right your mom's like oh my tuna fish wasn't
0: good enough for you oh no, no
1: she literally was just like yeah that, that stuff was expensive and i get it right but even that was just like a, it's a small luxury that Every once in a while, I can just treat myself to it and not have to feel bad about it, right? So, and sometimes it's just that simple, you know. I I get it how some people act out; they get their first real money and they're like, "I'm gonna go buy a chain" or "I'm gonna go get this car." I'm gonna do whatever. I've never been one of those people. For me, it's always been like simple pleasures in life. You know, I jokingly tell people, both both of us, neither one of us going out and getting chains. Yeah, like I I literally have one very simple chain that I've worn for. I can't even tell you, it, it, more than 20 years. Matter of fact, I got a gift of a chain, and they got a similar one that was the same. So if my other one busted, I just have like a replacement that's the same. <laughs> no chains! Exactly. <laughs> but that's for real. But yeah, I was just thinking about it. You know, I, I remember telling somebody not long ago, for me, one of the best things as an adult is if I just want to go down at 2 in the morning, heat up some Pop-Tarts and have it with ice cream, I can do that. You know, like that. That's what I've ex- never had pop tarts with ice cream. I never oh, dude, it's, it's awesome. I've never heard
0: of. I never even thought to put those two things together. Dude,
1: I literally i get i get two pop tarts. They come out the toaster. I bust them in half, so I have like four quarters of of pop tarts. Just a bunch of ice cream in the middle, and then I just with a spoon break my piece of pop tarts into the ice cream as I eat them. Oh, it's great. <laughs> I don't think it, I've only done it with like strawberry and vanilla ice cream or variants of like you can have like the cookies and cream or whatever but like i haven't done it with like chocolate or whatever so I don't, you're on your own on that but yeah good stuff i'm telling you it breaks the code on on pop tarts i'm terrible when it comes to sweets i got you covered dude <laughs> but again I'm mad at myself
0: for never thinking to do that
1: yeah it, it's like i said though if and it's kind of interesting for both of us it, it wasn't the answer probably wasn't what people expected that like I went and bought this crazy thing that costs like $500 or whatever. But yeah, sometimes it's just simple stuff. You know, I, I, I still remember growing up and, you know, times I understood that we didn't have a lot of money. You know, I don't know if my siblings processed it the same way I did. So there were times that like, if I just didn't need anything, I didn't ask for anything, you know? And I think that bothered my parents or my family more than anything. You know, because they felt bad that I think they had the realization that I had the realization. (laughs) You know, like, and I think that was always a thing. But yeah, and, and I think over time, I just learned to enjoy simple things. So yeah, I just don't have anything big that I just rushed out to buy as I was able to. I think I've just, more than anything, even now, say with like my content or whatever, I just find ways to be able to turn that into more future money. You know, more than going out and just wasting money. But all right, Brian, why don't you everybody they can find you on the social media?
0: I am Brian Sonic on still on Twitter, <laughs> as of right now. YouTube, Instagram, our family channel on YouTube is Allen's Ever After. And you can oh, find oh go ahead. Yeah. Oh, and you can read my stuff over at dot uh, tiltmagazine.com and uh, Goomba Stomp, that's our video game wing what goomba
1: something i didn't know about that and i see now i gotta go check out a thing
0: same same company just says there's a a tv
1: side and a video game side but yeah gotcha the the websites are different well if y'all want to find me you can find me just about everywhere power dragon p-o-w-r-d-r-a-g-n on most social platforms except for whatever reason still on tiktok you got to look up the power dragon (laughs) because issues but as always wherever you're listening whenever you're listening good morning good afternoon good evening and good night Please remember to take care of yourselves and your families, and remember to be awesome and be awesome to each other. If you'd like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us at our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate under patreon.com slash colorofmagic. You can also find us on Facebook under Color of Magic. And if you want to follow us along at Twitter, you can find us there at colorofmtg. And as always, please share the podcast around to your friends, your network, people you think might enjoy it, because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base.